Some my peoples one time. Let's get started. Yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? You were rocking with across the interse- intersection. In an intersection. In a intersection. This is Across the Intersection Podcast. This is your man, AJ. I'm in here with Eve and Dan. What's up? Hey, everyone. Please, please hit us up on social media, on Facebook, at Across the Intersection. And always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Across This. You can always check out our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, anywhere this quality podcast, Across the Intersection, is there. Um, hit me up on Twitter. At Divinimous, at D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S. And I am at E to the V to the E on Twitter. And I am still not on Twitter. I haven't He's coming, he's the, coming, y'all. <laughs> the craze. <laughs> uh, but you can hit me up on Facebook, Daniel Unger, or check out my blog, Diary of a Redeemed Center at WordPress. I'm chipping away at that. Yeah. All right. So we're just going to get right into it this week. It's been a lot going on, guys, and, you know, as we told you, I think we've been doing this from the very beginning. We always told you that, you know, we, we don't want to be a political show. That was never our, you know, our thrust because, you know, right now it's too easy to be a political show. <laughs> um, but as you, However. you know. However. Right, I know, exactly. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, like when people say, oh, with no disrespect, but I'm about to disrespect you, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you just throw away what I just said. Um, Because we got to get political. But, you know, for those of you who know, we are recording in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Um, And (laughs) your boy 45 just, you know, he just keeps he he just keeps going like you could probably, you know, it's like some of these reporters that have just made a living now just clowning this dude and chasing him down and what have you. So it's like you could literally do this all the time. But yeah, I think he just he likes to drop some type of bombshell like twice a week for Something is always happening, so there's no lack of material yeah. to, to talk about. Because, you know, I thought this Twitter thing was going to stop. Like, I thought at some point he was actually going to stop. I he was going to stop tweeting? You thought he was going to stop tweeting I did. at some point? Like, like mm. maybe, I'm, again, I, you know, I'll, I'll admit sometimes I'm a little naive about certain things, but he was doing it during the campaign and even early on. But I figured, all right, at some point, dude going to realize he got to get. And it's like, yo, he just keeps going with Let's this. Let's face reality. He's in bed. It's time to wake up. He rolls over. The first thing he does is he gets this on his phone and he tweets. I mean, if you just wake if you wake up at your normal time, which might be seven, maybe a little earlier, and you look at his Twitter handle, you'll find some tweets already. Yeah. Even though the morning is young. There was a comedian. I, um, I know we're getting off on a tangent, but there's this comedian on Netflix uh, Minaj, Hassan Minaj. I think it's Hassan Minaj, but he had a joke and he was just like, "Trump is up tweeting at like four in the morning and he's sober." He's like, "Who is <laughs> tweeting at four in the morning sober?" He's like, "The only time he took me tweeting at four in the morning is if you're drunk." He's like, "This guy is sober tweeting at four in the morning." Anyway, <clears throat> so we we getting off on a tangent, but as it pertains to to forty five and his and his buddy uh, Mr. Sessions here, so they have decided now. Um. In 2017, that affirmative action is no longer a viable, <laughs> a viable government program. Um, they try, 45 has directed the Jeff Sessions, um, our Attorney General. For those of y'all who don't know, he has directed the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice to begin to investigate. Wait a second. Wait. 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 <laughs> Did you just say the Civil Rights Division? 
So, so the division that exists specifically yeah. to level the playing field, you're saying that our president is directing that division to do the opposite of, of, of what it was intended to do. According to our president, the playing field's level. According to this. There are potholes oh. in my lawn. <laughs> well, he's, I, I think not that the playing field is level, according to him, that it's he's believes that a reverse discrimination is happening. Uh oh. Rich rich white billionaires from uh, New York are in trouble. It's amazing. You know, one thing that's that's uh, I know that that you were about to spark off the topic AJ, but but just the irony of the term reverse racism or reverse discrimination, the emphasis still needs to be on that second word. Because yeah. if there was no discrimination or racism in the first place, then there would be no place for such a term in the first place. So let's deal with the underlying issue before talking about how supposedly it's been reversed. And so, you know, I'm going to get a little mathematical. Let's do that. Let's I went to that. school for engineering, right? If I am going in one direction and I stop, right, and <laughs> then I go in the other direction, 180, I make a 180, mathematically you can identify the point where my momentum stopped and it changed and went in the opposite direction. You can pinpoint that mathematically. I would love for somebody to tell me when did racism stop and we went in the other direction. Like when, where did that point take place? Not they're gonna say, oh, in 2008 when Obama was elected. But I'm just like, no, that's not when it stops. Let me carry that <laughs> mathematics. I mean, this is a really good point that you're making because I would love someone to sit down and let's do that mathematics. Okay, so the first time that that Africans, Europeans, and Native Americans collided on this continent was 1619, right? So that's the year that we're talking about, right? And then you go to 1719 and 1819 and 1919, and then when 1965 comes, finally legislation is put forth that says it is illegal, or 1964 that is, it is illegal to discriminate against people based on, and of course, race, color, gender, etc. So, and then here we are in 2017. Now, the last time I calculated this, from 1619 until 1964-65, that was about 90% of the time that all three of these groups meshed here in the North American continent, which means that we're currently living in the 10%. So if we want to really do the math, when someone stops a train go, that's going for that many centuries at 1965, when, when, the, when the engine is turned off, how much farther does that train continue <laughs> uh, into the future before it finally comes to a natural stop during which we can say, oh, the, that, that train isn't forcefully moving forward anymore. It, it, when, is that momentum still going on, that natural momentum, or has it stopped? And even if it has stopped, how are we now on a level playing field where all of that damage for all of that time mm. has actually, um, uh, the, the results of all of that damage is actually, has, have actually ended? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so just so the, you guys know what, where we're going with this, um, 45 has directed Mr. Sessions to get the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice to investigate colleges and universities who still employ affirmative action in their admissions policies. Um, so that means that if they if race and ethnicity are factors utilized in order to admit students to that institution, um, I guess the potential could eventually be for a lawsuit to that institution, college, you know, public or private. 
institution. That's that's where we're where we're going. Yeah. So I just want to piggyback off what uh, Eva said. So I think that that is a a very good example that you gave. I think in the society we I would say the majority culture, um, white culture, uh, believes that it was simply enough just to stop, you know, stop the train instead of going back in the opposite direction, instead of correcting course. Mm. I think majority culture, white culture thinks, oh, civil rights, it's all over, or racism is over like that's gonna undo hundreds of years of of racism and discriminatory practices and lynchings and beatings and (laughs) you name it like like just simply stopping the train is gonna be enough no it it does need a course correction and as eva said the simply uh 50 two years is <laughs> not enough to undo hundreds of years of of racist practices we it's not it's not simply going to do it um so just back back to this issue at hand um as aj mentioned donald trump is directing the department of justice to now do investigations and litigations against race-based discrimination, specifically white people being discriminated against if based on affirmative <laughs> action right. practices. But why is the so, limit? But wait a second, you just said race-based, but there are all kinds of affirmative action practices which you might mm-hmm. be about to bring up. Uh, about to bring up. That's a terrible use of language. <laughs> but, but you know... You, I'll be about to bring them up. <laughs> <laughs> basically. But, but you know, we know how a lot of people get into Harvard and Yale, mm-hmm. et cetera. There, there's, like, there's discrimination Legacies based of, on yeah. legacy. Discrimination yeah. based on socioeconomic status. He's not focusing on those for some nope, reason. No, not, not at all. So I mean, I think one of the things that they mentioned in the article, they talked to a lot of people, um, a lot of different... Um, administrators at different colleges and people who work in the field of higher education. And one of the things that that you heard a lot of them say was race and ethnicity is not the only factor. I think what 45 and the Justice Department are doing is giving the impression, right, that race and ethnicity is the only thing that they're utilizing when they employ affirmative action in their admission techniques. And they're like, no, that's just one of many factors that they employ. And so I think people can get confused and deceived in thinking that they're just going to look at a pool of applicants and just pick all the black ones or the, the Hispanics or the Asians or whatever and just admit them. It's like, no, that's one of the determining factors. That was the whole point of affirmative action because before affirmative action, it would have been done. All the white applicants would have been chosen and everybody else would have been rejected. So we have to put these things in their proper context and not just look at one particular thing and sort of highlight that above everything else. Yeah, so uh, an ironic example of this, and forgive me because I do not remember his name, but Donald Trump's own son-in-law, apparently... Kushner. Kushner. Okay, his... He got into Harvard based on his father 
given Harvard lump sums of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars donating, even though he did not have the GPA to make it in. So they discriminate against the rich too? Man, poor rich (laughs) folks. That's not fair. (laughs) So for, for Donald Trump to be issuing uh, this command to the Department of Justice when his own family has benefited from this uh, discriminatory practice of, like we said, just the family members pouring out money in order to get into school, which someone would not normally qualify. Yeah, it is hypocritical to say to say the least what you just said really pairs well with what aj said and it it, what what it illuminates to me being especially being in the field of higher higher education is that people just do not admit that they do not know the way that admissions works so what what the deal is is that fox news and other uh quote-unquote conservative organizations will put out uh buzzwords and then it'll get people riled up and say oh there's discrimination going on But when you have admissions, a department of admissions, they are creating a cohort. They're saying, okay, the class of 2022, what do we want it to look like? What are the characteristics that we want? We want students with varied interests in terms of their academic uh, foci. We want uh, students or foci, focuses, whatever. It's all good. It's all good. Throw them big words (laughs) out. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, so, but we, but the point is, is that. Uh, basically, these uh, uh, admissions departments are tasked with creating a a class that will graduate in such and such a year and will represent their university to the world. And so, they what they're thinking about is what type of class do we want? Do we just want a bunch of nerds walking around looking at each other and and going back to their corners? Do we or do we want a class of people with diverse interests from diverse parts of the country, diverse in terms of their uh, national their their citizenship, international affiliation, diverse in terms of their ethnicity, and in terms of their gender, and in terms of their social uh, outlook? So the reality is. A few decades ago, people realized how great diversity is in all of its forms. So yeah, there are points allocated to each of that those types of diversity. But for some reason, everybody wants to focus on the couple of points that are given to ethnic diversity. When there is a lot of diversity that has nothing to do with personal merit that is taken into consideration. So people just refuse to just say, look... I actually don't know the way that this admissions process works. It just gets me mad that uh, that certain you know non meritorious um, things are focused on, and the one that gets me the most mad is the race part. But instead of realizing, no, actually, these universities are looking for people from different states. Nobody is complaining about that. Uh, students whose parents attended the university. Nobody complains about legacy. Um, students, a certain amount of students who can actually pay without loans. Nobody's talking about that. There are various ways to determine that information. Hey, 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 I already told you, don't discriminate against the rich. Yeah, don't you be know, mad because they got <laughs> It just, you know, it blows my mind, you know, because we live in this type of culture where, Pete, where it's really about knee-jerk reactions. So what about the, what about the other one, the, the superstar athletes who That's another. a lot don't have the GPAs to get in? We have nope. no problem when they, you know, bend the rules, you know, near break the rules right. to to let that superstar quarterback or that superstar point guard 
come to your school so that you can later on say, you know, he went to my school, right? You know, he went to you know, so and so went here. So they, they there's that in, hypocrisy. They bring in the money. They bring in the sponsorship. There you go. So. so now, what about this point? Now, what what would you say to the people, you know, who would look at you and say, hey? It's been 40, 50 years now. We, we don't really need affirmative action. And I'm not just talking about people like 45. I've talked to a lot of minorities who you might be surprised. And they say, yeah, I don't think we need it anymore. Are you talking about Stockholm Syndrome sufferers? And, <laughs> and uh, are you talking about people who, who actually look at the world through the eyes of their historic oppressor? Which minorities are you talking about? All of the above. You know, answer D. Um but what what do you say to them when they say, "Hey, Eve, Dan, we don't need this affirmative action anymore. I can go get a job. Look, I got a good job. This I, is what I, I say live in to a good them. neighborhood. This is what I say to them. The first question I have is, which affirmative action are you talking about? Are you talking about the affirmative action that has existed since the early 1600s? Is that the affirmative action you're talking about that occurred through the rest of the 1600s and through all of the 1700s and then through all of the 1800s and then through half of the 19? Are you talking about that affirmative action? where the majority culture, as Dan was saying earlier, was the one that was deferred to in terms of getting the best, not based on merit, getting the best positions, uh, going, uh, getting, uh, getting into the best universities, um, not having to experience once they got into that university, social isolation. Are you talking about that affirmative action or the one that's more recent that's just been around since the 1960s? Because my first question would be, which one? And if the answer is the latter, then I would ask about how we can rectify the, the lasting effects of the former. Wow. I think that's why it's so critical that we understand context. Because if you don't, I'm, you know, you, you tweeted that earlier this week and I really was like, what is she talking about? I had to understand the, the, the proper context. And if you don't understand the context, you'll just think somehow in the 60s, this light bulb just went off and people just decided to flip a switch. Um, when in actuality that that was not the case, we were just trying to slow down the momentum of that moving train yeah. that had been steamrolling for three hundred some odd years prior prior to that. We like, just need to take a closer closer look at the word. It's the word is uh, the term is affirmative action. So we're acting or uh, affirmatively or uh, toward a particular group to, to help advance. Yeah, 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 to help advance that group. Another term for affirmative action is preferential treatment. Um, that's what our country is built on. And I think that people need to understand that. Some people will say, well, two wrongs don't make a right. But the reality is an uh, entire structure has been built and the results of it are all around us based on the first wrong. So what are we going to do about that? Yeah, like you said, like we talked earlier, there needs to be a course correction. Uh, we just can't simply stop this and then uh, magically assume everything's in a go to the way it should be. No, there we actually need to put the train in the other direction and put think place put practices in place like affirmative action to see that these uh, institutions do not discriminate based on race. Now, I did want to mention there is of course a limit to affirmative action that only affects you know, governmental and, and public institutions and and workforces. So it's not enforced in in the private sector. Right. So you do see you still do see a lot of discriminatory practices in, in the private sector that's not being dealt with. If anything, I would say that you know, there 
maybe there should be a policy in place to, you know, touch on that within the private sector as well. Uh, but, you know, I won't, I won't get into that in, in this podcast, but suffice to say that, you know, I believe, yes, affirmative action is still needed. An uh, example uh, I wanted to, to bring up, and unfortunately I don't have the exact name of the the school, but there was a incident reported in the news some weeks ago about a high school where there were two valedictorians. This school traditionally had a white valedictorian has never had a black valedictorian. Now they have two valedictorians. They have a black one who had a higher GPA, which... What is the, that answers that, that question that right would, there? There should only be... If, <laughs> if, if I understand if they had the same GPA and everything was the same, then there would be two. But one had a higher GPA. Right. And then one had a lower GPA but they made them co-valedictorians. Well, that, of course, opposes the definition of valedictorian, right? The valedictorian is the person with the highest. And who is the, there's, what's the, what do they call the salutatorian? The salutatorian. Yeah, there should have been the salutatorian, but they didn't want to give the black student the recognition of, of being the valedictorian. Yep. So that, that shows me there the yes, discrimination still exists in in the public school system um and and private schools and any schools that receive government funds that it, it still does exist so there is there is a need for it um but strangely if that student had ended up at Harvard or at some school that um that a lot of people um say yeah that a lot of people say um accepts African-Americans and others based on affirmative action, even though she graduated with a, such a great GPA, people would race. still assume yeah. that she got in because <laughs> of her race. But the thing is, is that some people, people of color, including what you just said, uh, AJ, would say, well, that's the reason that I want to stop affirmative action, because I don't want people to assume that I got here based on race. But the reality is affirmative action was never designed to give preferential treatment for people who were not worthy of that in the first place. And I think that's one of the misnomers. Right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think that's one of the misunderstandings of the purpose of affirmative action. It wasn't designed to go and find a whole bunch and it and it never did find a whole bunch of people who were unworthy and then elevate them to positions that they weren't able to succeed in just for the purpose of of leveling the playing field if anything the affirmative action that happened from 1619 to 1965 did that but the modern version of affirmative action was created so that when you look at those who are worthy in those who have reached uh, the, the, the standard necessary for that particular position or getting into that particular school, when you look at that pool, we want to make sure that there's uh, equity and we want to make sure that there's diversity there. So I think that that is uh, one of the problems with the way that people have propagandized affirmative action. Yeah, I mean, we, gotta, we have to remember. And, and listen, I'm... I kind of float. That's why I say I kind of float in between Democrat and Republican. I'm kind of an independent because I agree to a certain extent that the solution to most of the problems is not just more government programs. But when you don't have these programs in place, right, that 
leaves it up to people to make decisions. And the Bible says that the hearts of men are desperately wicked. So you can't trust people to do the right thing. And because you can't trust people to to do the right thing, make the righteous decisions, you know, we've proven throughout the millennia that we don't do that. Um, you have to put these systems in place to protect people. You know, people have to be protected from essentially from ourselves. Because if I have my way, I'm going to pick my my friends and my buddies, you know, to fill cabinet positions and uh, high level government, you know, official uh, positions. But as opposed to picking the most worthy candidates. That's what's happening in the tech industry, AJ. And that's the thing. Based on what you just said earlier, Dan, about the the or or one of you all, one of you just said that uh, the this is something that can be enforced within public institutions. But when you look at private, you can see clearly that oh, yeah. discrimination is taking place. You go down to Silicon Valley, and this has been uh, discussed for a while. And it is white. It is Asian. Um, and that is, and it's male. Uh, oh, yeah. and, but the reality is even if you just look at the 105 HBCUs, there are plenty of students to choose from who majored in computer science, who majored in cybersecurity, who majored in some level of IT, information assurance, all the different majors related to that particular field. There are plenty of students to choose from just from the 105 HBCUs. But if you talk about black students across the country and thousands of other schools, there's plenty to choose from. And so for somebody to say, well, they're just not there, it just is not true. They're just not being truthful. And then the fact that you have tech companies and they've been doing this for for a couple of decades saying, well, a lot of American kids just don't get what they need um, in terms of academics to be able to work for our company. So that's why we're going to recruit overseas. The reality is, if you've been saying that for decades and still doing nothing about uh, this type of training, the same person who was a child or a baby when you first said that uh, is now an adult. And that time that you've spent going to India and other parts of the world, no, no offense to people from India, but just going across the world, you know, to recruit people. You can people, sponsor us anytime. Indeed. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, but during that all of that time where you've continued to complain that people don't have the skill set, you've been as you're driving to the airport to pick up your new employee, you're going past the hood, you're going past the trailer parks, you're going past all kinds of places where people have grown up during the time where you have said nobody here has those skills. When you during that same time, you could have just been training people who live right here and don't look like the typical person in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I just want to touch on something you said earlier regarding affirmative action that its purpose is to basically level the playing field not to help as far as academics not to help those who don't have the gpa get into school um want to bring up a case that happened just last year uh fisher versus the university of texas yeah abigail Um, (laughs) abigail fisher so who she was a white girl uh, and she sued the University of Texas because she was not admitted and her reasoning behind it was the belief that it was due to affirmative action. Now, when you actually look deeper into the case, she did not have the the grades, the grades to yeah. get in. Um, so... I mean, only if, in America. You can do, only in America. If you, I, I could understand if she had, if she had an excellent GPA, and met the criteria to get in, um, and got passed up for people with much lower GPAs, then 
you might have a case. But that wasn't, she did not meet the requirements to get in. It was just such a bizarre, it was a bizarre case to me because what, that's what Texas, what basically what Texas did in order to level the playing field is they said, what we're going to do is accept, I think it was the top 10%, let's just say the top 10% GPAs across the state in different schools. And what Abigail and, and her uh, and, and her legal team said was, well, a high GPA at, at some terrible school in in a in the ghetto um, is not the same as a high GPA at an elite school. But the problem with making that statement is that that proves the point about about inequity in education. So let's talk about that. If right. that's even the case, that uh, that the valedictorian at you know some quote unquote like ghetto school or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever its yeah. version is in Texas Shout out to Isada. is Sorry. not <laughs> is not the same or not that person doesn't come out Isada. with the same <laughs> with the same yeah. skill set as the person at an elite high school then there's a problem right there you know so let's deal with that problem but in addition to that yes as you said she did not fall within the top 10% or whatever the percentage was and here she is still trying to take her privilege and complain even though by the time the, the, the case got to the Supreme Court, she was finished with, with college, wherever she ended up going. My my issue with that is not her actually Miss Fisher at all. It's the fact that it made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. There was enough, you know, people that agreed with her position that they could not resolve that in, in a lower court, that it actually went all the way to the United States Supreme. That is the problem. Her bringing up a case, this is a litigious society. People are going to do what, well, what what we do, but the fact that, that that case in particular went, you know, all the way to the Supreme Court. I think that is that's the problem. Um that, that was even entertained all the way to 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 that point. So for you know for, for those of you listening out there, just remember, listen, this is a real issue that affects real people. It affects people's lives and you know, we're in the DC area. The government is the big industry in this area so it's not as impactful in an area like this where you have the federal government that mandates certain hiring policies and many of the companies that do work with the federal government have to abide by those same policies when you get out of this area when you get out of this sphere of the beltway and you go out into other parts of the country where like dan said it's the private sector it's essentially the private sector in the financial districts in new york or silicon valley or in the big oil companies down in texas when you go into other parts of the country um things like affirmative action impact people they impact people's life um and so this is a real issue this in particular is a real issue but as we pivot there are issues that are not as serious there are issues <laughs> there are issues that are not as you know impactful to people that I think we try to make into big issues then I think we need to sort of get a grip right um, in in this PC environment that we live in and this op- over hyper sensitivity sometimes we make things we or we attempt to make things bigger than than they actually are um, there was a young lady you know nice mom nice nice just a nice mom you know just you know, like <laughs> you ever just see somebody like that's somebody's mama look at that that's somebody's mama anyway um so she had a little birthday party for her daughter nice little birthday party i don't i think her daughter was her daughter was pretty young four five six something young so she posted a bunch of pictures of her daughter's birthday party on tumblr the party just happened to be a japanese themed party so they had tea they had the little kimono kimono right 
That's a good question. Is that what it, I think it's kimono. Kimono, kimono. Oh, y'all, y'all can correct me out there. Japanese in attire, traditional Thank Japanese yeah. attire. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Traditional <laughs> attire. They had the little. They had their hair tied with the little sticks. The, the, the whole nine yards. I, I don't know what those sticks are called, but they had their hair wrapped up in the little sticks. All right, you know whatever. If y'all can see me right now, I got my hands up around my head <laughs> holding up the sticks. Um, they had face paint with the little you know stuff. The whole nine, right? When I say the whole nine, that encompasses all of that. So she posted these pictures. She was excited. Look, my daughter's party. Hey, hey, hey. But then. Well, yeah, they they actually put everything on uh, on social media, and there was a backlash against uh, this party. All of the geishas and you know geisha, the, thank yeah, you. That's the, sort of the geisha look, uh, which of course goes back again to China uh, to Japanese traditional culture, although not contemporary, but it still goes back to to traditional Japanese culture. So the internet happened. Yeah. <laughs> so she she gets attacked. Not physically, but you know, of course, it's with the the internet thugs. Everybody starts bashing her on Tumblr. So this mom is going back and forth with all these people on Tumblr. Oh, you're racist and you're culturally appropriating Japanese culture. They called it yellow face. I didn't even know that was a thing. Ooh. They're like, those girls are painted in yellow face. I was like, what? <laughs> when did yellow face become a thing? And so the, the the mom is going back and forth, and then this woman comes on who's Japanese. Mm. Um, she and literally in her post she says not only am I Japanese I am literally in Japan as I'm typing this uh, post and she said what this lady did was not racist it was not culturally appropriating things were done respectfully and tastefully based upon the pictures I saw they weren't you know trying to make fun or exaggerate anything and then she made a statement in her post she says culture the aspects of our culture, certain aspects were meant to be shared with other people. You know, where we shouldn't think to hoard our, you know, the the good things about our culture. We should want point. to share them with other people. And she was just like, there's a ton of stuff in Japanese culture that we've taken from other people. She's like, you know, things like Japanese tea. That's not, you know, inherently Japanese. And she named all these different things where Japanese culture, you know, um, K-pop and all that kind of stuff were Actually, things or I mean, aspect. K-pop, I think, is Korean pop, but isn't that Korean pop? Or is there be. a Japanese but she put it in the version book. of, yeah. oh, she did? Or okay. J-pop. Maybe she yeah. put J-pop. Okay. Um, anime, just all the different things where it has taken other aspects from other cultures and integrated it into Japanese culture to create what you have now. So she was pretty much saying, this is not a real issue, right? So yeah. let's not try to blow this thing up, you know. And then she made a, another interest. She said, the reason you guys are saying this right now is because in the climate that we live in right now, it's cool to bash white people. That's what she said. A Japanese Ooh. woman. She said, it's, you, you know, the reason y'all, are, one of the real reasons y'all are doing this right now is because it's cool to bash white people when they do anything. This is not a real issue. And then people are like, oh, she schooled you, son. Oh, you know, you should have read, like, read some of the comments. Oh, you know, that's the end of this. Um, so what say you? How is there a line that we can cross where you go from cultural appreciation mm. into cultural appropriation? Yeah. Um, I believe that, you know, with this issue, as as that lady had mentioned, the one who did respond, the one who was actually from Japan, is that I think we're all all cultures are borrowed and borrowing, incorporating from other cultures, yeah. and I think 
cultures are are pretty much fluid. They're they're not stable. They're not gonna just be you know just tra- traditionally this thing, but they are gonna borrow from other cultures, but still still you know be you can still borrow from other cultures and and be your unique cultures. But I think I think yes, you can appreciate someone's culture. You can. Uh, adopt some of their practices and not be appropriating. I think, okay, what, you know, so you have to look at the definition of what is appropriation. Mm -hmm. Um, I know... Uh, Eva will probably have a better. uh, uh, (laughs) We know you know the definition of appropriation. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) She probably has a perfect definition, but uh, and I'll let her. She'll follow up with what I have to say with the correct definition. But uh, (laughs) but you know, appropriation is what how I view have seen appropriation is more so not given credit. Uh, to the other culture right. and more so doing it as as a way to discredit the culture that you're borrowing quote unquote borrowing really taken from would be more so appropriation to me rather than just okay this is a, a good practice and you know I want to adopt this or, or use this and not in a way of poking fun at the culture but just in a way of okay like I like what this culture has to offer and I want to use this. That sounds like appreciation to me. But um, Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's about respect. Either you respect the culture. If you respect the culture, then that's a cultural appreciation. Um, but if you disrespect it and, or if you, and if you try to claim some of its attributes as your own, like when everybody was claiming it takes a village to, to raise a child, and it's like, um, that's a West African proverb. But sooner, you know, at some point, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, but and then it went, and then people started ascribing it to Hillary Clinton. And that's just one example. But yeah, so I think that a cultural that cultural appreciation um, means that you're actually respecting the culture and you're giving it credit for its own contributions. Whereas appropriation is disrespecting it, turning it into a caricature. Right. You know, and based on what you just said, it seems like people thought that what this lady did for her daughter was turning Japanese culture into a caricature instead of actually um, respecting it and, and um, allowing it to, 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 to stand on its own terms. She didn't yank it out of its uh, uh, context in the sense of making it seem like it was a joke or a cartoon. So yeah, yeah, think, there's a difference there. I think just you, you made a good point. When you try to take the cultural attributes and make it your own without any acknowledgement of that culture, yes, that's when it becomes appropriation. You know, when it when it listen, I'm I'm from Jamaica, so when I see people, hey man. You man. are not from Jamaica. Okay, I'm half and half, my Trinidad and Jamaica. There you go. <laughs> but when you see people who want to I'm not gonna say appropriate, but you know, listen, Jamaican culture is one of those cultures that everybody, you yeah. know, knows certain attributes about. But when it goes too far, like you know, I'll give you a prime example of of what I mean. Everybody in Jamaica does not talk like "Hey, wagwan man, minatag boat." That's like the ebonics <laughs> of Jamaica. So, mm. like, people don't realize, like, the upper class people in Jamaica, they don't talk like that. They're more British than the British. Exactly. They are more proper than, like, British people. 
You know, if you, you know, my grandfather's past, but if you would have met my grandfather, that dude is one of the most formal people. I, like, everything is super formal. But if you don't understand that about the culture, you're going to think everybody in Jamaica walks around with dreadlocks, smoking weed. You know what I mean? It's like, Everyone's no, that's. Everyone's Rasta. Everybody's a Rasta, exactly. It's like, nah, that's one particular aspect. So. That is where you get into appropriation because you're poking, you're making fun, you're it's sort of taking a derogatory tone as opposed to, no, I like Jamaican food or something like that. And you say, oh, you're just appreciating the culture. Okay, well, you just, and you keep it moving. So we, we can't be so super sensitive where any little thing somebody does, particularly a white person, we kind of get a little oversensitive when it's like any particular thing a white person does. Oh, that's racist. No, man, stop it. Like, there's real issues for me to be fighting with you about a tea party. Exactly, and that's the whole boy who cried wolf for for people who might be younger and might not uh, have been familiar with this. You know, there was this whole fable back in the day about the boy who cried wolf. So, you know, in the beginning he was just playing and saying, a wolf is coming. And then everybody runs away, runs away. Of course he was playing. He does that over and over and over again. And then when the real wolf came, everybody, nobody uh, listened to him. So the reality is there are plenty of, of uh, examples of white or any other cultures appropriation of, of another uh, ethnicity um, so wait until you find those legitimate uh, gripes right. instead of being the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. So I think we can be too woke. Can people be yeah. too woke? Yeah, I, I believe that it's, it's the case. Again, <laughs> as we mentioned, there there as Eva mentioned, there are, are a lot of overt uh, issues uh, that we need to deal with in this culture. There is a lot of overt cases of racism that need to be dealt with and over discrimination uh, for us to be going around every nook and cranny looking under <laughs> rocks to see just to find one little thing oh what you did was racist uh, like d- are are these really battles that you really want to have and, and and I do believe that it I, I do believe in a sense with that lady uh, that Japanese lady did say is true in a sense where I'm not saying for the vast majority of people at all, but I believe there are some people who like to find find these issues out. The, again, like I said, there's there's so much out here out in the open that we don't need to find any anything, but there are people who give themselves a pat on the back for just finding that... Uh, one uh, lady or guy who looked at them a certain way could might not have been anything, but no, they're like, okay, no, they're racist or whatever. Like, so we, you know, build up this whole propaganda and we're, you know, this whole case against them when it, when it was nothing going on. So we're constantly looking for conspiracies uh, to, to satisfy ourselves. Like, that's what it is. It's trying. People are trying to satisfy themselves. You're not really out to try to do any justice. You're you're looking for some sort of self gratification. It's it's a it's a similar thing you find. You know, I don't think it's exactly the same because I, I think they're worlds apart. But it's similar in this aspect when you talk to a lot of feminists. It's like everything is not male chauvinistic. You're looking for something that ain't there. 
Are there male chauvinists? Are women discriminated against? Yes. But, you know, one particular guy walking across the office, hey, you look nice today, and keep, oh, no, you didn't say that to me. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're, you're digging a little too deep. You're about to hit magma, you know what I mean? Because you're, <laughs> you're, you're going too deep. So I think, personally, I think people can be too woke. I think this whole, I'm woke, okay, I get it. You are hip to discrimination. You're hip to white supremacy and all of that. But then when we take that too far and we go all the way to the other extreme, Right, and we're now everything it, that somebody does is racist, or everything that everybody thinks. Like, no, everything is not that. Does it exist in many ways, shapes, and forms? Is it systematic? Yes. But Billy looking at hip hop video and saying, "You know what? I want to get a hat like the the Migos." That's not. <laughs> I don't consider that cultural appropriation. And we need to be we need to be more efficient and productive with our wokeness. If we're going to be woke, then we have to realize that what racism is is a system. So let's talk about crashing that down. Of course, there's always going to be the seething racist running around, rabid racist. You know, the people who who um, make cartoons of of African Americans looking or or Asian Americans looking like primates. You're going to have those people, but they're going to be around regardless. So why waste your time on little, you know, people who probably have a mental disorder um, mm-hmm. rather than dealing with the systemic issues? Let's go to the legislative level or, or let's go to cooperative economics. You know, there there are people, groups who have decided to get insular and and say, look, our mo- we're not going to spend our money on, you know, in these in this environment we're going to keep it in ourselves and just rotate our our, our economy right. uh, within our community if you're going to keep on behaving like that. Why don't we use our power well if we're going to be woke? That, that's what's uh, up. And not bashing moms who are having tea parties with their daughters. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's an excellent point, Eva. Just rather than fighting those small battles, uh, which might not really be any battles at all, but you're sp- investing all your energy in them, but you're ignoring the... The major issue, the system uh, case, and uh, back to what uh, AJ said is that I think that a lot of people are doing these things to puff themselves up. I'm reminded of what it speaks about in First Timothy six twenty through twenty one. It talks about avoiding uh, mm-hmm. profane and, and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. <laughs> so a, a lot of people are looking for these conspiracies, trying to jump on these issues to show how knowledgeable they are to puff themselves up. And the Bible says to avoid those people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I'm not going to hang around those people who are trying to make, you know, quote unquote, mountain out of a molehill, but uh, address the real issues in, in the culture. And then we, yeah, we have some talking points then. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's a there's a, a, a scripture in Song of Songs where it talks about the small boxes spoil, small foxes spoil the vine. I think people get worn out. And so because we're f- chasing all these little small things all day long, when something big does arise, people get worn out. They're like, yo, I've been chasing moms with tea parties all week. I don't want to deal with affirmative action or some, mm. something big, something systemic that we need to be focusing our attention on and not chasing down these little things that really are foolish. Because if you want to be quite honest, both, you know, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, they, they, they both do it. And so why would I continue? When Hillary Clinton goes around calling herself, oh, I'm your abuela. No, you're not. Like, you're a politician running for office. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, what, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to pander to Hispanics. I mean, did she so, know what abuela meant? Exactly. You know, <laughs> so it's to- like, we, we, I don't have time for that. It's like, yo, you know what? I don't got time for that. You're just a politician. I got to focus on bigger things. Or so when we, you know, we, we, we sit around and we sort of waste so much energy on these small foxes. And so we have to really stop, you know, pause and like Dan was saying, not get caught up in these in this idle babble. This is idle babble that it, it, it makes no sense. You know, I, I posted a, a picture on if you want to go to the Across the Intersection Facebook page. I posted a picture this week of a like a, a white supremacist rally. One of the guys had a white uh, a hat on that said white power. And the guy had dreadlocks. It was a white guy with 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 locks. Go to our Facebook page and you'll see what I'm talking about. I just put oxymoron much because it's like white power, but I'm standing here with dreadlocks. That's that's a fight. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get out there and argue with you, Billy Bob, because I know you appreciate my culture, or you wouldn't. No offense to Billy Bob. I got something with the name Billy. I I, I don't know what it is. But I'm, I know that you appreciate my culture, so I, I don't need to even argue with you. You see what I'm saying? Because you saw those, you didn't see those dreadlocks at the trailer park. You saw them dreadlocks someplace else, and you made you want to, you know, identify with that. So we, that's a fight I don't need to waste my time with. I need to deal with police brutality or, you know, systematic, you know, racism or incarceration or admission to higher education institutions. We got to put our effort and attention other places and stop letting small foxes wear us out. And, you know, as believers, we can't get caught up in this nonsense. We have to be focused on bigger things. What does the Lord have me to put my hands to to make an impact? It's not to sit around and argue that every white guy who walks by me and doesn't shake my hand is a racist or every mom who throws a Japanese tea party (laughs) is a racist. That is not what is going to be the most efficient use of my time. You know what that is? That sounds like diet racism. <laughs> BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed did a, a, a video. You guys should check it out. It's hilarious. It's called Diet Racism. Um, it's all over social media. You could probably find it on YouTube. Um, they did a video, I don't know, it was probably six, eight months ago. It could have been close to a year ago, but it was hilarious. They were talking about little things like this, um, which is like, it's like not really racist, but it's kind of racist. So this guy cracked the soda and was like, yeah, Diet racism. It's like a dream. It's, it's kind of funny. But as we pivot, I think another diet issue, right? You know, almost like first world problems is, you know, I've, I was telling, telling um, even Dan earlier that I, I think I've spent too much time uh, this, this week, probably too much, more than I probably should have, just sitting down meditating. You know, for those of y'all who listen to us consistently, um, we, we probably beat this uh, Shailene Lecrae discussion to death, so I'm not going to go into it. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, if you listen to Christian music or Christian rap, that's where we're going again, unfortunately. Um, well, no, you know what? I'm, we're not going to go in there. I'm, it's an offshoot from that yeah. discussion. Um, and what I, But what I've been thinking about, what I have been thinking about this week is, is the whole notion of you don't present your faith in the way that I think you should which is essentially what it is. Is that like some first world type Christian problems? Most assuredly. And I'm glad that you jumped off from Shy and Lecrae because that wasn't, you know, the the way that you present your faith wasn't Shy's grievance. But I think that it goes, but, but I think that prior to this whole, you know, situation, Christian rap, for example, has had that, that uh, little uh, discussion maybe for the past 
decade or so, maybe even before Closer I was even... Closer to two decades. Yeah, because I was thinking, I, I, I didn't listen to Christian rap in the 80s, right. so I don't know what they were discussing then. But but yeah, I think that that's... I know it was a thing in the 90s. Yeah, so that's yeah right. definitely. Late 90s especially. Yeah. It's yeah. at least two decades. But, but, you're, but you're right. Like, when we get to that brick wall, when we get to the point where all of what we consider to be normal in this life... Um, comes crashing down because it's inevitable. Now, I'm not a, a, a conspiracy theorist, but I do know that we're hitting this sort of critical spot within the economy and and with what's going on politically. I mean, you could, if you just take the temperature, you know that something is is afoot. And so when we get to the point, uh, just, just to give an example, I remember a few years ago, my father uh, lived in Manhattan, which is where you know I grew up in New York. My parents were still back there, but a few years ago, when I think it was Hurricane, oh, here we go with New York, again. whatever. <laughs> so when Hurricane Sandy uh, came, I remember that there was a, um, a a power outage, and this is only the second time in my lifetime uh, that that had happened. But what I'm saying is that the a simple power outage in the city of New York and the whole uh, region northeast region happened and people didn't know what to do we're talking about a power issue and we're, we're not talking about uh, it, this it just seems so simple where once the power is out then you have to deal with issues related to crime and uh related to um how you're going to uh keep your food cool i mean it, it it there's a domino effect and that's just with power so i know that i'm saying that to say i know that we as a culture and as a country are extremely vulnerable to to things that one thing can go out and affect an entire region of the country so my point is is that um, when 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 situations like this happen, when there is some sort of persecution or some kind of issue that we as Christians are going to come across, the answer to your question is no. We're not going to be talking about you present the gospel on a milk crate and I present the gospel, you know, from my from you know some uh, some tracts that I'm handing out. One person is wrong and the other is right. What? You're going to look around and say, you're my brother or sister in Christ. Let's deal with things that are much more important than one person presenting the gospel through paint, uh, through painting, <laughs> and another presenting it through sculpture. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, we, you know, you look at a third world nation, you know, Christians suffering like Sudan or China, you know, doing the underground churches. They're not worried about the Shylin and the crime. <laughs> no. no, you know, they're, you know, literally, you know, they're, their faith is costing them something. And the, the issue is here in, in America are, we haven't gotten to that level of persecution where right now it's, we can feel content debating Shylin and Lecrae and their method and, and and I'm not saying like again either either way is is right or wrong. I mean those are different methods, different philosophies. You right. can agree to disagree on that, but because we're making so such a huge ordeal out of it, shows us the state that we're in. We're in a state of relative lax, where yes. where you know we're not we're not being persecuted in this culture, but when there, you know, I don't believe that it'll stay like this. I believe that there's a shift coming as, you know, we've talked about now, whether that's tomorrow, next year, 10, 20, 30 years from now. Uh, but there is, there is a shift coming from where there will be a more definitive line 
about you know who is a Christian, who isn't, where we're then may have to make some hard choices, and we will suffer persecution, and and none of this, a uh, back and forth of uh, philosophy of do do we rap, do we present music for the culture or for Christians, or do we present it from the church to the culture or whatever like. That <laughs> that's not going to be a discussion. We're going to be, you know, if if you identify as a a believer, you know, then I'm I'm not concerned about what your view on Lecrae and Shylin is about. <laughs> no. I'm really not exactly. Um, but yeah, we've we've gotten this place in a society. We we've basically, I think of that metaphor. It talks about about the frog and the water like the yep. warm water boiling yeah, yeah. where we're just kind of laying back and we're just uh with that frog ribbit uh you heard about charlotte and lecrae <laughs> while the boiling is happening well we're boiling and <laughs> we're we're not even noticing <laughs> the the bigger issues you know within the culture the shit that's happening right uh, we're not we're not paying attention to that um you can you know look back 50 60 years i mean and and see the shift and you know i'm this you know i'm not going to get into it in this podcast but you know a lot of people reference the sexual revolution as a big shift in in the culture which has impacted the voice of of christians whereas the majority of the culture you know, you wouldn't be able to say was Christian back then either, but Christianity still had a measure of influence. Yeah. Now you're seeing a shift where we, you know, it's we're no, irrelevant. It's, yeah, we're we are irrelevant. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not cool. It's not necessarily cool to be a Christian. Uh, so our voice is being minimized, and uh, we're actively participating <laughs> in the minimizing of our own voice. Yeah. <laughs> with these kinds of nonsensical debates. Yeah, by being silly. Yeah. yeah. We make more and more people think about how many people have probably tuned out Christian rap because of this debate over That's the last a good question. three or four weeks. That's a good question. And of course we can say, oh well they no, it's like no 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 no. You can't continue to do something over and over and over again. And then when people get turned off to it, then you want to fault the people. No, no, you can't fault the people if I'm continuing to beat the drum for these first world issues. These, these are first I mess with my sister a lot. I'll tell her, you know, because she likes, you know, she, she my sister's a vegan. And so she likes to do, you know, certain vegan things. And I'll just, I'll mess with her. I'm like, that's first world problems. We'll stop that. You know, because if, if you're in the wilderness, right, if, if you, <laughs> you go eat whatever you comes go, <laughs> You're going to eat that, that, uh, what is it? I don't know. Who knows? Remember that the film that uh, Denzel was in, that that first scene was so nasty. Uh, the film, I'm talking about um, uh, The Book of Eli. Oh, so that yeah, first yeah, yeah. scene, next thing we know, he there's like an caught that arrow. Thing and, yeah, was that yeah. a cat? We don't even know what that was, mongrel animal was, but he caught it and ate that, roasted that thing. So, it's so like if most he was of a us, vegan, you know, it would he would have been shorter than Barney Rubble. I don't know. He might have followed it to where it was eating leaves. And <laughs> Where you eating? I'm gonna go get some twigs. Now I'm just messing with her. She she knows I love her. Now she got me not eating meat that much. So <laughs> See? You know, here we go. But when we when we sit back and we think about something like this, and we'll say people, you know, one of the 
phrases Christians love to use. We need to be like the first century church, man. The first century church, man, they had it going on. Well, you know what they also had in the first century? Persecution. Persecution. Yeah. You could have got your head chopped off, right? You you could have been fed to lions in, in, in the Colosseum. You still want to argue about methodology in, 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 you know, in your music? You still want to argue about methodology in your preaching? Or you want to get fed to some lions? So we you know, put these things in perspective and realize this sounds like some first world Christian problems. The fact that you can even have a website up with a whole bunch of Christian v- vernacular on it, that's first world problems. That's not a real issue. That's not a real issue. There are places where you even part the word Jesus out your mouth, you might get your hands chopped off. Yeah. So we we have to put these things in perspective and just realize, you know what? We have a disagreement, but let's keep it moving. To make this whole big thing out of it, man, it was been, it's been preposterous. And so that's why I just want people to understand, you know what? Everybody's not going to agree with me. But that's what makes the body of Christ, that's what makes the, the flavor. If everybody thought the exact same thing, if everybody had the exact same wavelength in our thought, th- there would be no flavor. That's yeah. what makes the, the flavor in the body. Because you're like, oh, snap, I didn't think about doing things like that. Wow, I didn't think that was even a thing. Wow, let me, let me see what's going on. And bring in the mix, bring in the flavor so that, hey, this is what, the, this is what happened in the New Testament. Remember those brothers from... Jerusalem came to Antioch and what did they tell the believers at Antioch? Yo, if y'all want to be down, you got to follow the law of Moses. You you, you got to get circumcised. Come on, let's let's get it in. And Paul and Barnabas like, hey, 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 that's not how we get down down here. That doesn't mean we're preaching a different gospel, but y'all are coming down here trying to give them the same wavelength you got in Jerusalem. That's a cultural thing, right? Because you guys are Jewish. These cats are Gentile. They don't do that. Yeah. And so they and went Paul's, up there to go talk to Peter and them because they're like, hey, hey, what are you, what are y'all doing up here? Yeah, it was, and it's interesting. Yeah. Paul followed the law of God, so we're not talking about someone who, who rejected know, the law yeah. of God. He yeah, followed he, the law of God. Was, so did all the apostles. But we're talking about circumcision, really? Yeah. Just like <laughs> talking about practice, <laughs> just like Alan Iverson. We talking about practice? exactly. I'm gonna I'm make circumcision the big issue <laughs> as opposed to what the big issue really is. So we got to stop making these small things, exalting these small. things things and making them into big issues when when you sit when you sit back and you kind of say la you realize this is not really that big of an issue does it do i agree with it nah but it's not really that big of an issue i'm gonna keep it moving i think uh lavoisier says something on his um periscope he's just like pure he's like, i just look he's like it's like an accident on the road he said it's like you ever <laughs> been driving and you look and see an accident you're like man pure <laughs> but you just keep but you keep driving it's like that's what we got to do you look and you're like oh okay but i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep going because there's bigger there are bigger issues that need my attention not the fact that dan might think i you know should have my wife covering her head or something, you know, some some nonsensical issue. Not that Dan believes that. I'm just saying that, guys. I don't think I'm, you know. But we 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 got to put our attention elsewhere. That's I, I don't know. Yeah, and and I don't think it's the issue of that we shouldn't talk about these issues at all, but put them in their proper place. Like, okay, there you go. Let's let's okay, let's have a discussion about this. All right, we agree to disagree. Let's get it moving. We have bigger things. Let's look more at. You know, our, let's look at our, our commonalities as believers where we can stand in agreement. Okay, we disagree here, but we hold the fundamentals of the faith. All right, you're still my brother. You're still my sister. All right, let's let's get moving. Let's get, deal with some serious issues here instead of stay being stuck on this one issue. Right. So speaking of things we want you to put your attention on, 
We want to take a pause right here and give a word to our sponsor. Addressing your health is not something you can ignore. A report from your doctor or even aches that you've learned to live with need to be taken care of. It can feel like a long road when you go at it alone and aren't sure what to do. Working with a knowledgeable individual will help you save time, resources, and actually get the results you're looking for. Let us introduce you to Princess Akima a certified holistic nutrition practitioner. She's a living example that making powerful changes in your life will have ripple effects. She works one-on-one with clients to prevent and reverse disease from skin issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, and allergies. This can be treated by using nutritional guidance, herbal and homeopathic means, body work, and movement. This whole person holistic approach is helping people get restored. Get in touch with Akima today at www.princessakima.com. That's P-R-I-N-C-E-S-S-A-K-E-E-M-A. Or you can reach her at 240-855-0266. And you can connect with her on Facebook and Twitter at Princess Akima. Please support our sponsors as they support this podcast and let them know you heard about it on Across the Intersection. And we're back. We All are right. back. So I know we, we've taken a hiatus, but you know, we, we, we gotta get back to our favorite segment. This week in the this news. This week in the news. This week where uh, yeah, there's the deep side. <laughs> this week in social media. Right? Well, social media news, yeah. you know. You just know, this, that's this, becoming this week in uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're becoming synonymous, I should say. Um so what did the this Christian do Christian, this time? Christian is doing foolish things in public. Now, honestly, I guess you, I guess this could still be considered public. So there, there were some young ladies this week um, who wanted to do a little liturgical dance. And for those of you who you know do church, you understand the liturgical dance. Dance they come ministry, on, you know, the dance ministry, right? The anointed ones, or what you know, whatever. Sometimes they wear the little white face paint, the white gloves, you know, to make it more, to accentuate <laughs> yeah. certain things. You know, hey, that's that's fine if that's your thing. That's that's fine. I, I, matter of fact, I, I got a good friend of mine who's a he's a dancer. I mean, he you know has been doing that for years. Um, but these young ladies decided to dance in their church last Sunday, I guess it was, or two Sundays ago. Um, to our friend Mr. Sean Carter's uh, new hit single, The Story of O.J. Um, yeah, I said that. Wait, yeah, wait, 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 yeah wait, you just wait, heard wait, that right. You're talking about that song that has uh, the, wait a second, with yeah. cursing in it yeah. as well but as it was, it was the use the, of the racial slur. I mean, it was the edited version and they probably just, they probably just play like a, one short clip from it, oh, right, no. to oh. make a point. Oh no, it and was they, the it was the full it was the full song, the full unedited the like st- uh, album version of the song. So they're in the church dancing to the full unedited version of "Story of OJ" from Four Four Four, which I mean, you know, it, the the song in and of itself, it's like, all right, I get what he's saying, but is that the place to you know? play you know play that and and dance and and so again immature people are going to make immature decisions right so although the the girls do have a part to play i don't fully fault the girls somebody had to sign off on that somebody had to co-sign right to say you know what story of oj 
Sunday morning service. Let's go do it. You know, that somebody had to be that person. So the minister of music probably was that person or someone in a position of yeah. leadership. One they of the listened leaders. to the story of OJ and they said that that would be appropriate within a church service. Was that like a youth youth service on on Friday night? What what was the context? It, it okay. didn't look like a, it didn't look like a youth service. So, there were adults in there. Yeah. So the context it was a Tree Life Missionary Baptist Church. Um, Again, the the girls were dancing to the Jay Z song "Story of OJ" as they were dancing. That song, throwing out like I guess Monopoly money and stuff or whatever. But so for those of you go watch the video, that's what you need to go do. Yeah, you should watch the video. Also, there's been commentary on it since then. The minister of music actually responded to a lot of the feedback from the video. And he basically criticized people for judging them and that they didn't understand the context and that the song, they approved it because it it held application to the pastor's sermon. And he talked about it being a powerful performance for the pastor's powerful word and that the pastor's sermon was actually called story of story of oj and i forgot what the script it was one of the psalms but he used one of the psalms as a scripture reference and i haven't actually listened to the sermon i don't know if i have the patience to i don't think i intended the sermon but i'm I'm afraid to listen to that so basically both the minister of music and the pastor signed off on it so it wasn't just the girls got a crazy idea where you would Oh, can we uh, dance to this? We got this new album. Can we dance to it? And 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 then, whereas a, in a normal church, you know, uh, <laughs> in a normal uh, church, <laughs> in a normal the true life is not normal. We well, don't. Well, I mean, let's. <laughs> we don't want Watts to come down on us. Okay, no, well, that's where the church is. So we're not trying to deal with Watts. Say in a in a traditional church, let's say the they the youth group or whatever no, where to come where to come with that song and the minister music would have been like uh that's not appropriate you know uh let's find something else for you to to dance to so let me play devil's advocate what if what if that minister of music or someone leadership team approached the girls because that's not clear in the story whose idea it was yeah i'm not i don't know if this is a blame thing you know the reality is I've, i've listened to i bought the album or no no actually I got it for free. But uh-oh, my point uh-oh. is is that you know four four forty four four forty four you know is a good album from content perspective. But that particular and so yes a lot of people whether they are Christians or not have heard that song. Oh yeah. And the video for the song is is very well put together. I'm talking about the actual music video. Yeah the video. Et cetera. So so I'm not coming against the song in and of itself, but in the context of a church service. You know, one thing that my father used to say is um, it, it, when it came to, to the house that my that my brother and I grew up in, you know, back in those days, we wanted to bring in what was called gangster rap. And, you know, he said, that's for the streets. He said, it's not that people don't listen to gangster rap or that you won't listen to it or you won't hear it. Or it's not that I'm trying to put you under a rock, but your home is your sanctuary. There's, a, there's certain things that shouldn't pass um, over that threshold. You know, so listen to that. That's streets. That's streets. So listen to that in the street. And I think to respond to what you just said, I think there's certain things that are appropriate for the context of church. 
so that at least kids growing up will will, will at least be able to see that certain things are certain things are appropriate for certain places and mm. certain um, uh, ceremonies and certain things aren't. We just don't live in a world where everything is just appropriate all the time. Right. That's why I was just wondering if the girls had the idea or if somebody on that leadership was like, hey, can y'all dance to this song? You know, that's why I was like, hmm, I wonder who, for him to be so strongly in favor of it, I wonder yeah. if it was his idea. And he went to the girls to be like, hey, Sunday I want y'all dancing to the story of OJ and throw the money up, make it rain, you know, do all that. And the girls was just like, okay, because he's a leader, you know you what I'm saying? did not just say make it rain. <laughs> Oh, you, you haven't seen the you gotta watch the you Oh, I saw watch. I saw oh, the music oh, okay. video, but I mean I'm sure that they were trying to lend their own meaning to the to to every aspect of that song. And and again, the principle of the song is fine, you know, is fine, but cursing in a church service. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We got we got to have some restraint. We have to learn to exercise, you know, as as believers, we have to learn to exercise some restraint. It might be related to his sermon. What if I, he was going to talk about fornication? You know I mean, are we going to exercise restraint as believers and everything is, what does Paul say? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You know, he's he's free to do anything. You're He's a grown man. He The pastor could have been an adult. I mean, whatever. They're, you're free to do whatever. But at some point, as a believer, I have to learn to exercise some restraint. Yeah. Where, where are you going to draw the line in this whole... You know what I see with a lot of churches whole keep it keeping one hundred or whatever you call it now, yeah. uh, but it's being relevant where, and being all that relevant crap. where you know it's okay for a pastor to to curse in a sermon. It's okay for instances like this for secular music to be played with unedited with the cursing. Um, so it it seems like we're trying to accommodate to the society and culture around us rather than to be influencers of the culture. This is what I'm seeing. And this is a whole nother discussion. Oh yeah. Cause we, we can get really deep into it. Um, I would like to know who actually videotaped it. Is this a part of just the video ministry of the church, but not only who did that, but who actually, uh, you know, put it out there into the airwaves, into the social media. And I'm wondering if there was a goal there. Well, oh, well, this is a relevant church. You know, maybe some people will, will start coming out. Oh. I don't wow. know. Did you see the guy's face? The person who was videotaping, they panned over, and the <laughs> one dude was like, Ugh. Oh, you mean the, the parishioners? They yeah. were like, what's going on? So I don't yeah. think everybody was was on board with it, but, you know, somebody had to be the catalyst. So with that being said, guys, you want to dance in church? Ladies, you want to do a little dance? You might want to pick at least the edited version of Story of OJ. <laughs> I think he dropped the N-bomb like 50 times in that word. And, you know, that might not be. I, I wonder what the radio edit is. Rich brother, black brother. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> There's he, no way you can make none. a clip. He, he dropped the, the B word too, I believe. Oh, well. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. He he, he dropped a bunch of stuff. He in dropped there. the whole alphabet. Yeah. So we just got to. Believers, we, we got to do better. We got to exercise some restraint. We got to work to stop feeling like we got to compromise. I, I know that, you know, we've missed the mark. In for two millennia, Christians have missed the mark for two millennia, but we have to work to exercise some restraint and stop feeling like we got to push God to the margins in order to be relevant. So that's what we do here. We keep God in the mix and he will not be pushed to the margin. So like I always say, until they put me in the ground, I'm going to have God in the mix. So anyway, we thank y'all for rocking with us this week for Eve, for Dan. This is AJ saying, holla at you next time, baby. Peace out. Peace out. 
let's get started, I won't teach you. Let me set apart who is my people. The ones who set in their hearts. Hey guys, we've had a little error in today's podcast. The diet racism video that we mentioned is actually college humor, not BuzzFeed. Shout out to college humor. You guys do great work. Um, shout out to BuzzFeed as well. We made the error. Um, so that diet racism video is not um, BuzzFeed, but it is college humor. Thank you all again for listening. Peace.